HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people, dishes, and ingredients decolonizing food. We're looking at our Thanksgiving plates and beyond to explore efforts to reclaim food sovereignty in Native American culture, the African diaspora, and Puerto Rico. I believe that oyster dressing is like the consummate side dish for an amazing fried turkey. What we're doing there is just working the land and we're laughing and we're creating a space for joy. And it's in that that healing occurs for us. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So it's the weekend before Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking about all the things that I'm thankful for, my health and the health of my family, first and foremost. I feel like it's as important as ever to be mindful of the farmers that are growing our food in this ever-fragile food system. But this year, I'm also giving special thanks to all the incredible entrepreneurs and restaurateurs who have enriched our food culture in America so much and have sacrificed so much in order to do so and are struggling so much during these unprecedented times, really, really challenging times thanks to COVID-19. I feel like there are certain touchstones where you can really see the food culture in America palpably move and it's as eaters, you know, become enamored with newfangled flavors from abroad. And I think that there are a few restaurants that have really had an outsized influence on our dining trends, uh, really moving the dial in a direction that was previously overlooked or underappreciated. So I feel like my guest today has done that with his restaurants, Xi'an Famous Foods. So it's named for a city in central China that kind of couldn't be any farther from New York City on the globe. Um, Xi'an Famous Foods was the name of a humble food stall in Flushing, Queens, where Jason Wang's dad first saw, he first started to sell boba. But then, since boba stands were kind of a dime a dozen, he began to cook and sell the food from his homeland, Xi'an. 
I am so thrilled to be speaking with the CEO and owner of Xi'an Famous Foods and now the author of a gorgeous and really compelling cookbook, also called Xi'an Famous Foods, just out from Abrams this fall. It's Jason Wang. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Thank you Pleasure so much. <laughs> this book is so good. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, so I love the wonderful narrative you you string along with the with the gorgeous recipes and photography, um, and just sticking for a moment with your restaurant's creation story. Um, you know, you and your family story of coming to America uh, to give you a better education and better future um, is not so atypical, right? Um, right, right. Yeah, and your know, parents were working like multiple jobs. You were a latchkey kid. You write about that so beautifully. Um, but yeah, and it's it's kind of um, not so typical that your dad ended up sort of eventually deciding to cook the food that he knew best. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, for my father, you know, the like you mentioned, uh, originally he opened the store, um, you know, he opened the store, first of all, after working in various Chinese restaurants uh, along the eastern uh, coast of the U.S., uh, as I was going through middle school and high school, the reason he made a jump to start a business, I guess, of his own is because I had graduated from high school and I was going to college. So mm -hmm. I was quote unquote set. And at that time, he basically, oh. you know, made a little bit of a leap into uh, his own business. His dream was always to serve the food of our hometown, uh, Xi'an. But you know, like you mentioned, he started selling bubble tea because, you know, business is hard. So he's still worried about his investment. He wanted to do something of a sure thing, quote unquote. Right. Um, but, you know, it turns out that it wasn't really that successful because, like you said, there's so it's many. Ironic. Yeah. Right. There, there's so many bubble tea places uh, around that time already that even though it seems like an appealing and easy to set up business, uh, it turned out that, you know, his food ultimately, what his passion about uh, became the, um, uh, the the best selling items and this, became a business of its own. That's <laughs> amazing. And I and you write that also your dad was working at these Chinese restaurants, cooking the like, sweet and sour pork, stuff that you guys didn't grow up with or didn't eat at home. Right. He, he definitely learned a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he learned a lot through his experiences working at various restaurants, Chinese restaurants in, in the U.S. And, I, you know, it's interesting because it's stuff that he never really, uh, you know, uh, encountered back in China. Mm -hmm. Like you said, these dishes and, you know, just different ways of cooking, actually, besides the Americanized Chinese dishes that he uh, he had to cook and had to serve in various restaurants. Um, it's also different people because uh, we're talking about people from all parts of China, parts of Asia that work in uh, work in these restaurants and everyone has their own customs. China's a big country, you know, so yeah. there's a lot of different uh, groups, uh, you know, areas and distinct cultures there. So it, it was probably, you know, I would imagine it to be a learning experience for him. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think made your family's business such a success and such a sensation, really, in Flushing when, you know, Anthony Bourdain showed up, uh, Andrew Zimmern showed up. Everyone was talking about lamb face salad at a certain point. I remember. <laughs> yes. It was, it was all over the place. Yeah. What, why do you think that Well, is? you know, I, uh, I think in the beginning, just like when my father had envisioned, it was all about getting the food to people like him, you know, immigrants mm. in Flushing who miss food uh, with that taste profile. 
uh, people who are probably from our region, northwestern, northwestern or central western mm -hmm. China, and uh, you know there was really nothing like it, and it, because it's not really a, one of the main cuisines of China. You know, the main cuisines of China, you think about Sichuan food, you think about like Guangzhou, like Cantonese food, you think mm -hmm. about northeastern food, Shanghainese food. Those are all major cuisines. Uh, you know, okay. Hunan food. Those are considered major. But uh, this, you know, Xi'an cuisine. There's really no cuisine. It's more of a just like. A, a regional way of cooking. There's no f like formalized dishes that can be built up, put on like a white tablecloth. So, you know, that was the original uh, uh, way that he uh, thought about this business. But as it grew, um, I think, you know, the popularity uh, initially was because everyone was so excited, just like him when he started the business to have this food. But more and more it became, uh, it's about having this food being accessible to anyone who's interested in um, you know trying it in, here in New York, you know any one of any backgrounds really. So that's what we try to do, and thankfully you know the late Anthony Bourdain showed us a lot of support by giving us shoutouts that you know brought us more onto the main stage. Andrew Zimmer, among other folks as well, over the years have supported us. So mm -hmm. you know these um, uh, these folks helped propel us uh, into the next uh, level where we're able to be accessible to a lot of people who are interested. Um, let's talk about Xi'an food. You mentioned it's not like a formalized cuisine, but it is an interesting cuisine. And Xi'an was historically a very important city in China. It's where ancient civilizations thrived. It's where the terracotta army was uncovered, uh, these ancient statues. Um, and uh, it's literally a crossroads, right? It's, right, right. Yeah, tell me about the food influences. I'm very proud of our... Uh... You know our uh, my hometown city because well you know besides New York is my hometown now but my my old home uh, you know it's uh it's the ancient capital of China yeah. it's the New York of China back in the ancient times uh, it's the beginning point of the Silk Road it's home to thirteen dynasties the capital of thirteen dynasties I should say so there's a lot of uh, history there a lot of culture a lot of people coming from all all parts of the world um, you know in the old days uh, passing through or taking residence. Uh, there and that that is reflected uh, in current demographics. Uh, she has mm -hmm. a very diverse place. There's not just the the majority Chinese people, the, also known as like the Han people. Uh, there's also other uh, ethnic groups, uh, notably a Hui Muslim group. Uh, in the they mostly uh, operate businesses around the Muslim quarters, but you know they're they're citizens of the city and they're they're around um, all over as well. Uh, and it's very obvious uh, to to see that. The influences different ethnic groups had ha has had in uh, Xi'an. There's a lot of different, um, you know, temples and mosques. There's you know street foods that are challah foods that are not you know the mainstream type of Chinese foods. And it's just a very fascinating history there, and uh, you know that's reflected in the food culture as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fascinating. And I love your prose. I just want to read a little snippet from <laughs> from it. So people have a taste of it. Yeah. Um, you write, this is my city of fiery desert food. And this is where I'm born. On weekdays, I'm playing hide and seek in seemingly cavernous apartment complexes, eating lamb soup dotted with broken up bits of bread for lunch. On weekends, I'm sitting on my dad's handlebars, riding to the street markets where shop owners peddle stick skinny skewers and rojan mo burgers. Rojan mo, yep. Rojan mo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you write, I see charcoal smoke and smell spicy cumin lamb and eat rough, ragged street noodles swimming in bright red chili. My senses on overload, tingling from peppercorn. 
Um, certainly you guys are, are well known for your handmade noodles, uh, yeah. bang, bang noodles. And also the, the young P wait, the skin noodles, right? The yeah. Cold skin cold, noodles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the skin one. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, firstly, I just wanted to, you know, as you're reading this, I have to give credit out to my great writer, uh, Jessica okay. Cho, you know, Jessica is very talented and she has worked with me closely on this book. And uh, without her, my thoughts would not be, uh, you know, as uh, eloquently phrased as she has for uh, throughout the book. So I definitely have to give a shout out to her for that. Um, she did a great job. And, you know, for the uh, uh, for all this imagery of, you know, uh, me growing up in the city, it's it's it's, it's exactly as I remembered it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all these dishes really evoke a, a very personal feel every time I'm mm -hmm. serving it, every time I'm thinking about it and of course writing about it um you know that's that's what this whole book has really been about as well it's not just presenting these dishes uh, as is and giving the recipes it's really personal uh that's why we took great care in preparation for writing this book that's why we you know i chose someone who knows me well personally uh and actually traveled with me back to xian together uh, to look at my the places where I grew up and wow. walk the streets where I walk when I was going to kindergarten elementary wow. school and really you know and been inside the home where I grew up where the rooms seem a lot smaller now than they did when I was a kid you know yeah. actually uh, eating a meal on the same table that uh, I actually still have a sticker from when I was a kid on the side of the table it's still there it's a little worn but you know so really that that it, this whole experience is really um uh, personal to me. I think that, you know, she did a great job presenting it. And uh, yeah, uh, wow. <laughs> just wanted to shout that out. Yeah. That is so cool. How long did it take you guys to write this book? It took us a good couple of years. You know, we yeah. first obviously started planning about the logistics mm -hmm. of, well, like who's writing it? You know, what are what are we covering? What recipes are we covering? What stories are we talking about? How we're structuring the book? And once we start writing it, you know, obviously there's the uh, weekly meetings that we had, uh, you know, going through the chapters, you know, just laid out everything very, um, you know, smoothly. Uh, and there's an agenda to to tackle different points, questions she has, and just basically storytelling by me, something a cathartic experience, actually. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, after that, uh, we actually started editing and editing actually takes a lot of time and, uh, you know, recipe testing, editing, and also photography book, planning. Yeah. yeah, it's a big, it, it was really fun, though. You know, I, I, yeah. we were able to travel back to Xi'an a couple of times. And, you know, obviously going through our stores in New York, all those are different parts of our overall story. You know, New York versus Xi'an, China uh, versus other parts of where I live. You know, it's, it's it's like a whole picture for the book. Right, right. I love this story, though. I feel like central to this story and, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it sounds like what's so special is that you your dad right achieved the american dream of sending you to college and then you got a white collar job and then <laughs> and then why did and you turn to <laughs> <laughs> you did that for three years and then you took it upon yourself to to focus on his restaurant well yeah i mean i i i wasn't actually there for three years. I was there for three months. So, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I think okay, you're talking mind. about the three years of no. Sorry to, sorry to, you know, call that up. But I just want to make okay. clear that I was not a successful white collared person. You know, <laughs> uh, I, um, you know, after school, I worked a stint in corporate for okay. three months, three months. over, over the summer, and basically, you know, uh, I, I 
didn't do a good job because I don't think my heart was really in it. You know, not to find excuses, but ever since 2007, when I started helping the business, uh, you know, by making a website, uh, well, I was still Mm -hmm. in school, so I wasn't directly involved, but I would help on bricks. I think my heart was already in New York, was already with Shan Famous Foods. So at that point, everything else just felt like I kind of have to do it. I Mm -hmm. wish I had an excuse not to do it, but I kind of had to because, you know, we paid so much for tuition. You know, it seems like kind of weird to just not try that path uh, of, you know, being white collar, doing corporate stuff. So, you know, I tried it. And at the end of the day, you know, the door wasn't really open for me there. And, you know, whether it's through my own fault or just just the circumstances. But then, you know, I'm glad that it it, it kind of happened where basically I, I had to basically come back and start from scratch, uh, literally work in the stores for three years. So that's mm-hmm. where the three years may be. Basically, oh, right, for right. the first three years of working in uh, Shan Famous Foods, I wasn't just like, you know, sitting in a desk. I was literally taking out the trash cashier and cooking. Uh, some of our older fans probably remember. I think I, I remember, uh, you know, when we first had our interaction back in the days, Kathy, uh, I think, you know, uh, we, we probably, what is that restaurant? You, there was a food event. And then you were doing something in the, um, you were serving something in the, it's like a, not a basement, kind of like the cellar of that restaurant in East Village. You know uh, what I'm talking Jimmy's? about? Like, Jimmy's? Yeah, yeah. Number Jimmy's. 43, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. when I first met you. Yeah. And that was like back in the old days, you know, you remember. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So <laughs> oh that, at that around that time, you know, it was really just learning from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of our old fans were in East Village where I worked. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those are the good old days. But. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the how I got into it. But now, you know, it's more about operations. Now it's about uh, figuring out how do we, you know, expand conservatively. But of course, this year has been very tough. It's more oh about how do we navigate this year, you know, so it's yes. a very different game. Let's talk a little bit more about that and how you guys are doing after a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's Central Coast since 1865. Today, Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. Their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select Whole Food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to LarderMeatCo.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R MeatCo.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com.
All right, and we're back chatting more with Jason Wang. His new book is Xi'an Famous Foods, The Cuisine of Western China from New York's Favorite Noodle Shop. It's definitely my favorite noodle shop. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Love that. (laughs) But of course, restaurants are struggling this year. It's a crazy year. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, this is something that's unprecedented, the situation that our industry and restaurants are in, especially in New York City, where, uh, you know, there's a lot of restaurants and there's a lot of restaurants that are dealing with a lot of pressures like rents and just Mm -hmm. other costs. I mean, rent is the biggest fixed cost that, uh, you know, New New York restaurants have to wrestle with. And it's a very unfortunate situation that we're in. Um, you know, for a lot of restaurants, they've been closing down. And for for us, we're no different. You know, we actually shut our restaurants down on March 14th. Yeah. Uh, you know, before the mandatory shutdown went into uh-huh. place in New York City, just because we just didn't want to risk anything. You know, it's mm-hmm. not very often that we do this, but it's extraordinary circumstances at that point. So, and unfortunately, because, you know, we were hoping that things would get better quick, but after a couple of days of being shut down and just watching the news, watching the the uh, figures and statistics, it was not going to be over in a few weeks. So we unfortunately had to let go of pretty much our entire staff, let alone maybe just a couple of people just to keep the business running, meaning like, you know, pay the pay the bills and to basically make sure that we provide support for folks that we had to let go in terms of HR. And um, that was pretty much it. Uh, And uh, the company was a shell and uh, we closed all our stores for the next couple of months. It was really just navigating. How are we going to be able to afford hundreds of hundreds of thousands per month in rent um, with no income? And thankfully, you know, um, we are able to get some government assistance Mm -hmm. in this. Um, it's not quite as much as we would have needed to cover all the rent. We ended mm-hmm. up basically having to just default on a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, um, over time, you know, we figured things out. We had conversations with, uh, you know, our landlords were able to figure out how to arrive at a middle ground where That's basically, yeah, yeah, I mean, most of our landlords were able to to work with us on that. So we're able to reopen now. Uh, we have, uh, is it 10 locations, 10 locations open or opening <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, hoping to have a few more. Um, it's, you know, we were 14 before the pandemic. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, our our brand is very strong and we'll definitely weather this. Right. But it's just that people are hurt along the way. Businesses hurt along the way. The numbers, you know, the, the, the lost income is not going to come back. Unfortunately, it's just gone forever. Um, so, but, you know. As an immigrant, as uh, uh, someone who has gone through the difficult times of, you know, financially and just struggling um, through as I was growing up, not to say not to belittle this um, pandemic in any way, but I think that because of that experience, because of the struggles that, you know, we have faced in the past, uh, it it kind of uh, made us strong enough to be ready for anything really we don't take any day for granted we yeah. we take everything as a blessing you know we have a great business that's a blessing we're lucky in many ways and uh you know and mm. everything that happens for the good mm. uh, you know we're thankful for so we don't take it for granted and uh, i think that's we have a good mentality for that and uh we, we always look for uh, to be optimistic because things can always get better uh you know someday wow that's a great philosophy um Hey, Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, Thanksgiving. Count your blessings. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> 
there's always silver linings but uh, yeah. yeah it's a tough Let's it's hope. a tough week uh, a tough uh holiday period for a lot of folks people can't even see their families because you know for safety precautions and such so mm-hmm. it, it's difficult it's very hard people can't travel so yeah it's tough maybe a good time for takeout <laughs> yeah maybe so um, yeah <laughs> Well, speaking of this, uh, well, getting back to the cookbook, the scope of the recipes in here is like far exceeds what you guys serve in the restaurants. So yeah, it's like it's like Xi'an Famous Foods bonus times twenty. It's (laughs) it's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, What did you What did you want to make sure to include? Well, you know, Xi'an Famous Foods as a business is. A business. It's to focus on mm-hmm. a small array of dishes that uh, we right. do well and that represents the cuisine, but does not, you know, basically cover all everything mm. there is about the cuisine. It's not very possible to have one shop that covers everything. To be honest, there's just a lot of different dishes in Xi'an, a lot of great things. So, uh, you know, f- the book basically picks up where. Uh, we left it off with the business where, um, you know, we have only 22 dishes on our menu right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the book has 100 plus recipes. So mm-hmm. obviously some of those recipes are going to be the basics of how to make our sauces, our chili oil, some something that people really desire. You know, so th- the recipes will include those. But yeah. it will also include a lot of dishes that, you know, over the years, I had to strike down as dishes that I don't want to be presented in the restaurant, not because they're not good, but mainly mm. because, you know, as a business, we have to be remain efficient. Uh, we yeah. have to kind of pick or choose which dishes are best served in a fast, casual restaurant of settings. Course, right. So, you know, my father's very, uh, you know, culinary. So he's always saying, hey, you know, why don't we add this? You know, what kind of restaurants are a restaurant are we if we don't even have this dish and i say like we're a restaurant that does these few dishes really well and yeah. we're going to do it really well but uh you know if you want to present a dish that you are you know a big fan of um but you, you know then let's do it in the book let's not you yeah. know so it's it's becoming an outlet for him it became an outlet for him to have a bunch of recipes that i would not allow mm-hmm. in the uh to be served in the restaurant for efficiency purposes <laughs> to actually be presented to the world through the book I love your father-son dynamic. Uh-huh. I will not allow him to serve. <laughs> oh, it's a yin yang relationship. And in the That's book, right. if you if you were to flip, I forget which page it is. There's a nice photo of us <laughs> yeah. where we're both smiling, you know, cheek to cheek. But uh-huh. you know, we're also kind of there. You could sense a, a sense of this annoyed of each other. Like uh, you, I'm squeezing his shoulder with my hand, and he's he's like, ah, uh, you know, you're. You're you're squeezing my shoulder, but I'm I'm glad I'm giving you such a hard time. Type of look to him, you know. So, so funny. This this dynamic is kind of nice. I mean, I, as I was chatting with someone before uh, recently, I was like, you know, this dynamic, it's annoying, you know, to work with family. Not not to lie to you, I think anyone working with their family in a business can relate. You know, you mm-hmm. can't shake them. You know, that's your family. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I think because it's family, you're able to say whatever is on your mind. There's right. a lot of transparency. And a lot of like you know tough conversations, which at the end of the day actually serves the business. It helps us make the uh, you know we go through the heated debate, and then at the end the the um, stronger idea comes through. There's no like you know kind of giving up on a strong good idea. It's really just fight it out. You know Darwinism really, and yeah. uh, whatever survives basically makes the business better. Love it. Well, I just love this cookbook. Again, you're like breaking new ground. You're filling uh, uh, holes in the <laughs> yeah. you know cookbook category. 
for your extensive, I mean, the wonderful instructions you have on these handmade noodles, like, um, like the Yang Pi or the Biang Bang noodles, uh, yeah. is I, I think, you know, really groundbreaking. Um, I think that, yeah, you're like kind of just offering folks a real comprehensive look at Xi'an, um, foods as well. So for instance, like the cold starter section, I am just salivating over these carrots, (laughs) the shredded carrots, which, um, I'm, you know, that sounds like a perfect Thanksgiving side, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. There's, it's actually the perfect season to pick up this book, not to plug it or anything, because like, look, we all love turkeys. You know, I like to do my turkey sous vide and then I fry it and it's all good and stuff. But you know, it's nice to have some uh, ethnic flavors. I would say, I hate to say the word ethnic, but it is ethnic. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it is something a little bit different from the traditions of Thanksgiving in America. But yeah. I think that, you know, it definitely adds flavor to it. The carrot dish, a great starter dish. Cucumber salad, also great. Um, yep. You know, definitely spice up your uh, dinner Perfect table for compliment. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a little quick note about Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. and all the holidays, really, uh, about uh, for, for Chinese immigrant families in the u.s uh, a lot of those that are familiar probably know what i'm talking about for those that don't really hang out in those circles just know that like you know potlucks uh around the holidays basically replaces a lot of the um traditional you know uh thanksgiving dinners with family that you think of because you know mm-hmm. as i was growing up in michigan you know they're the students there they don't have family here they're they're international students that are here for their master's or phd or something and then they're, they're they want to celebrate together with um other folks who are also without families during this time so a lot of us would basically get a lot of um you know dishes together each person makes something and then bring it to a potluck with all the you know the their immediate family like if they have a kid or if they have some sibling that's with them in the U.S. And then they just basically it's like a big party. And that's really what the holidays are like in a lot of places. Uh, you know, I have friends that uh, grew up in those settings in Maryland and Nashville, you know, like where, where there are small clusters of you know Chinese and Asian folks. But they, they tend to gather together for the holidays in order to celebrate in a way that's not conventional, but also fun. So this book is definitely... Mm-hmm about that as well and also one particular recipe in there is exactly from this setting it's is the, it pineapple, the pineapple chicken yeah the pineapple yeah, chicken that very festive that. one yeah <laughs> exactly so you know that was that dish is like born out of this type of thing oh, and uh, so you know it's cool. perfect it's perfect for this time yep so your mom developed it sort of right after meeting some other moms and <laughs> kind of blending influences from throughout like China and wherever was in the cabinet, right? So yeah. Ketchup. <laughs> I yeah, love ketchup. It. Ketchup is a, a main ingredient. I mean, look, it that, looks so good. It looks good. Taste. It really does taste good. Uh, you know, obviously mm-hmm. for the for testing the recipes, we have to make these dishes multiple times, and yeah. you know, making it at home it evokes a sense that your home starts to smell like a like a American Chinese Chinese American <laughs> restaurant. It starts smelling like it. And you know what? It's actually good because you're making it. You know what's going into it. And it's actually pretty delicious. And if you got yeah. a pineapple lying around, just, you know, use the shell to, you know, put it in. It's even more festive. What's so it's more a fun, fun dish. than that? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just can't wait. There's so many more to get into here. I love how you have like a deviation of your Mount Chi pork, which is Mount Chi vegetables. Sounds like a good vegetarian friendly. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Like main dish. Yeah. Um, It's uh, a, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. 
So we have a bunch of vegetarian dishes that are mm-hmm. not vegetarian or vegan for the purpose of vegetarian or vegan, but yeah. that's just how they are made uh, traditionally. Mountchi vegetables is just yeah, like you said, it's another take on mountchi pork in that the you know it's a smaller cut up pieces of vegetables and you know other other um, vegetarian ingredients uh, and basically it's a pretty mild dish. I like to think of it as like a similar to a ratatouille almost. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah. sauce, you know. So it's soy sauce it, and rice yeah, ex- wine. Mm-hmm. Exactly, very very simple dish. We obviously the liang pi noodles would be great, but that's that I would say is more of an advanced dish in this book so um higher work up to it yeah yeah you can work up to it but it's definitely worth it and uh yeah. you know it's an achievement once you're able to yes. successfully make it that sense of fulfillment <laughs> so, right there's right. a lot of different ones but you know the the biang biang uh, hot oil sear noodles that one's very um easy to make i like to always refer to it as like a um the original biang biang noodles basically mm. without adding any meats or other ingredients to it it's like the the most basic pizza, you know, the original pizza with no, not a lot of stuff on it. And uh, this is just like that. It's focusing oh on noodles. It's focusing on this freshly seared chili pepper, ground chili peppers and the uh, garlic that's on it. So it's a very simple taste, but it's always going to be just aromatically very mm. flavorful. But of course, taste wise, just as flavorful. So definitely recommend those for our vegetarian vegan friends there. Uh, and you could tweak the recipes I have. You know what I saw Kathy the other day, mm-hmm. I keep up with our social media, right? And I check the Instagram mm-hmm. stories of people making dishes from nice. our book, you know, just give them a thumbs up and maybe give them some pointers as well. So feel free to tag us by the way, yeah. if you are doing that, just at Shan Foods on your uh, videos and I'll give you some pointers. I see some small things to tweak to make them more successful, but you know, I've been seeing interesting things about, uh, how people have been approaching our dishes. Someone basically didn't want to use noodles for. Um, uh, I, I think you know maybe they were celiac or maybe they didn't they couldn't tolerate gluten. But I'm okay. not sure what the case was. But basically, they used some sort of leaves. I forgot exactly. You might know huh. better than I, uh, Kathy. But it's a it's like a long plant leaf uh, that it's I guess uh. similarly shaped to our wide noodles, and then basically use that to uh, you know. Be the noodles of the dish. I I, I forgot what it was. I wish I remember, no but it's idea. like I, I imagine it's something like artichoke leaves, but not artichokes, oh. but probably something else that's like kind of meaty, got a chew to it. But my point is basically, you know, uh, this Lovely. book is yours. The recipes are in your hands. Uh, if you feel like replacing, someone replaced. Um, I mean, this is not a vegetarian thing, but someone replaced lamb with pork. Uh, pork with beef, you know, you could yeah. pretty much yeah. tweak anything you need. And of course, you could replace those with mock duck or mock, you know, uh, something uh, of a protein instead of real meat. And, you know, as long as or you tweak turkey? the cook times. What about turkey? turkey? There you go. Turkey. <laughs> turkey. You know, funny story, Kathy. Well, there was a Thanksgiving where I made turkey and my dad was like, this is years ago, maybe eight uh-huh. years ago when we were working in the stores in Flushing. And then we, we made a lot of turkey and then, you know, we had leftovers. You know how people make turkey sandwiches, uh, you know, with, with leftover okay. turkeys? Yes. So my dad's like, why don't we make turkey burgers? You know, like that's mm. kind of interesting. You know how our, like, mm-hmm. our stew pork burgers or the yeah. lamb burgers? So let's, let's make some turkey burgers. I was like, yeah. that's not Chinese or American, but that's interesting, you know? So yeah. it was an interesting idea. I think we actually did for a short time when we were at our original store in Flushing. Uh, but, you know, it was a seasonal thing. So we played around with it. Um, you know, it didn't really stick. But I just thought that that was another interesting <laughs> thing about Thanksgiving that I just remembered. So <laughs> Amazing. You could make it your own. Yeah. Thanksgiving sure. leftovers. Exactly. I'm totally doing that. 
Oh there you go. Goodness. Make those flatbreads. That's also a recipe in the book. And, hey, yeah. Uh, little tweak. <laughs> there you, go. There you well, go. Jason, I hope you have a very, very nice holiday um, thank this you. week and thank you, thank you. the rest of the year. And I hope that everyone gets their hands on this book because it really is like one of the best books I've ever seen. Appreciate um, that. <laughs> and I'm just, I just love it so much. So just out from Abrams this October, Xi'an Famous Foods. You should follow Xi'an Famous Foods. Xi'an Foods is the yes, uh, account to follow Foods. Yes, on Jen. Instagram and wherever. I will see you on there. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm all over that. So at Xi'an Foods, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, yeah, just uh, check it out. And just, uh, you know, one one last thing I mm -hmm. wanted to let Please. folks know is that, you know, right now, you know, the book obviously is going to give you all the freedom of making different dishes. But, you know, we do have meal kits, too, where if you want to take kind hey. of a little quick step into cooking our food, but without having to do all the prep and all that. Definitely the, for the noodles, we have that ready. So check it out on our website, shamfoods.com. And uh, just a little shout out. It'll be great for a holiday party for virtual noodle pulling. Think about it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fun. So. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, I'm going to check that out. And thank you so much, Jason, for your time. Yeah. No, thank you, Kathy. It was great talking to you. And, uh, you know, after all these years of, uh, you know, being the, being the food scene in New York, yeah. I'm always glad to connect with you. So much fun. All right. All best. Thanks, everyone, at Heritage Radio Network. Happy holidays. All right. Have a good one. See you next week on Eat Your Words. Eat Your Words is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.